and that's kind of what's driven me in education is to find and ensure that we provide the necessary supports for all kids and provide an equitable uh, school district in the services that we provide and, um, and, and what it looks like in the classroom on a day-to-day basis. Clarksville's Conversation, a podcast that brings you interesting conversations with fascinating people from around Clarksville and Montgomery County. Hi, this is Katie and Charlie, and welcome to Clarksville's Conversation, where you get an opportunity to eavesdrop on our conversation with innovators and leaders in the community. Today, we have a very special guest, Katie. Can you guess who it is? Well, he's sitting right there, so yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have the Director of Schools for Clarksville, Montgomery County, Mr. Millard House. Welcome. And well, thank you, guys. It's, it's great to be here with you, and uh, always great to be in in, in the midst of uh, what's going on at Five Star. Ah, oh, well, thank you. So we start each one of these with a little icebreaker. Okay. So, um, you you how long have you been in Clarksville now? It's uh, we're going on two years now. So um, when Charlie was going through puberty and first got those first little <laughs> hairs on his mustache, he's never shaved that thing. Okay. That's pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, between he and Steve Harvey, oh. best mustaches right. out there. Right, yeah. yeah. Best so, out there. in honor of that, Charlie mustache you a question. Okay, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And I'm going to go light on you out of respect for your position. Okay. I've got some kind of crazy, crazy questions, but if someone were to write a book about you, what would the title of that book be? Interesting. You know, um, I think the title would be called Resilience um, because there's, there's been a lot that happened early in my life that, that most people don't know about that, uh, that kind of shaped where I am and, and shaped my belief system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's built around resilience. And I think resilience is, is, um, is a combination of an emotion and, and, and an attitude that can, that can drive someone to, to do things that they didn't know that, that was possible in their lives. And I only say that because early, you know, earlier in my life, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. I had a speech impediment. Oh, that's interesting. Um, had a lot of things going on. I was fortunate enough to have have parents that were both educators uh-huh. that were able to give me, you know, what I needed. And, uh, and, you know, after five or six years, I was able to climb those mountains and accomplish pretty much anything. But I reflect back on the resilience that, that built for me. Mm-hmm. And I took a lot of lessons. So my book would be entitled resilience. So how old were you when you were diagnosed with dyslexia? Probably right around six years old, six, seven years old. We knew something was going on. Uh, my mother being a first grade teacher, yes. um, identified um, and also a counselor later in her career was able to, you know, help me with the necessary steps, steps of confidence, uh, even though, you know, I couldn't read uh, with, mm-hmm. with first and second graders. Uh, and then having a speech impediment on top of that, uh, there were a lot of struggles there. So uh, it wasn't until about sixth grade to where it was all rectified and I tested out of special education and was able to, you know, um, deal with, and you, you never get rid of, rid of dyslexia, but you learn how to manage it. Yes. Uh, so by sixth, seventh grade, I learned how to manage it and, um, and was able to move forward and have had a great high school, um, you know, time, career. Uh, college and um, and things went well. And what a humbling what a what a humbling time that is too. Because when you're a child and you're in special education, you feel different, and um, you feel like you're kind of treated different. So th- you had to overcome probably those self esteem issues too. There are a lot of um, feelings that that kids that that have exceptional needs that they go through. You know, inadequacy. Um, 
You know, it, right. it, it caused me to be a bit of an introvert. And during my, my time with, with myself, uh, I focused on, on baseball and basketball. So my mm-hmm. dad built me a, a basketball court in the backyard, uh, laid the cement himself, and I would spend day after night, sometimes staying out until 11 o'clock at night on the weekends. Um, and it, it paid off later on uh, and, and having an opportunity to get a, a full athletic scholarship to, to play NCAA college basketball. So uh, it was a blessing in disguise and, and those lessons have, have followed me. And, what an inspiring uh, story. Man, let me tell you, you know, you know, people look at maybe not you specifically, but people in your position as, you know, successful on top of the world, you know, you're leading a huge school district. Successful school and, district. And too. they, you know, sometimes people have the misconception that, you know, you've always been on top, mm-hmm. you know, you've had it made, you know, you just kind of worked your way up and, and now you're on top. But hearing the stories of what I would call your struggles growing up and learning how to, to conquer something is, it's very inspiring. Which I, I was, like I said, I was very fortunate to, to be around great educators and, uh, and support systems. And, and unfortunately, there are a lot of kids out there that don't, that are not in an equitable situation to have the kind of supports that I had. Um, and that's kind of what's driven me in education is to find and ensure that we provide the necessary supports for all kids and provide an equitable uh, school district and the services that we provide and, um, and and what it looks like in the classroom on a day-to-day basis. So now you have two children yourself. I do. And uh, it takes a lot of will to be to fight through that and be successful. Do you, do you do anything special with them to try to instill that drive in them? Absolutely. Now, I, I joke, uh-huh. I jokingly um, tell my kids all the time that they are, they're, they're cul-de-sac children, um, simply because, you know, I, I grew up, even though both of my parents were educators, they were, they were uh, first time um, college goers in our, in my family. Uh, my dad was one of 11 kids. My, my mom was one of five. Um, and they both grew up in, in, in households with a mother and father, uh, but they didn't have much at all. Uh, for us growing up, we didn't have much, but my dad climbed a ladder and we watched him for the first time climb a ladder that had never been seen in our family. Uh, as the CEO of a company, uh, eventually the uh, first uh, individual of color to be uh, a senior level leader in, uh, in the school system uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, but for my kids, um, the building of resilience and the simulation of, of resilience is important. And a lot of times what will happen uh, when you have children that really don't have to struggle, sometimes they'll find a struggle for themselves. Um, That's a good point. And that struggle sometimes can be, you know, fixation, you know, on their lesson. Uh, sometimes it can be fixation on something socially and emotionally that can drive different feelings. So you have to simulate um, resilience for them. That may be, you know, chores, that may be a part-time job. That has to be something that they own and build within themselves. So I try to do that with both of my children. Um, My daughter is one of those that's um, fixated uh, as a 13 year old on on the idea of being the best and getting 100% on everything. And so her last report card came home and it was she had 100s across the board. And it's been that way since she was a child. And what we've had what we've had to explain to her is that, you know, if that 95 comes home, uh, it's not the end of the world. And we've enjoyed seeing her build her resilience within herself over the Mm -hmm. course of time and find those things that will drive her and not worry. And we we joke at home and say, you can't sweat the, you know, the little stuff. 
So we, we do that with both of our kiddos, my son's seven, and that looks a little bit different for him. Yeah. It's amazing how two kids can be so different and come oh, from absolutely. the same parents. I absolutely. say that all the time. They are, they are drastically different kiddos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and we've, all, we've all got kids, and my daughter's a junior at Clark's High School, and she, she was like, you know, your daughter, you know, thought she had to make the best grades and all that. And then she was introduced to AP Bio. Yep. And she realized that AP Bio, she can do it, but she may not be the, the hundred person. You know, she, she really has to fight right. and, 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 and study to just get through it. Yep. So there are those challenges that pop up that you're not prepared for sometimes. I find like sometimes me as a parent, because my older son is that way, he's very, like wants it all to be perfect. My younger is like, <clears throat> oh, whatever. Um, but I feel like I have to be careful because I put more pressure on the older because mm -hmm. I know he can do yep. it. And that's not always fair. Yeah. But like yeah, I'm out the story this morning, I'm looking at power school and there was a zero on an assignment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I text him because I know he's outside. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, what's this? And he comes running in. I can tell you what happened. But it like, yeah. And it's going to be okay. And I said, okay, I just want you to know. I just want to know what happened. Right. So, and, and that's my son. Mm -hmm. uh, that's my son. Um, uh, feedback, I, I have to give it in a different way to him as a seven-year-old and uh, his emotions uh, and, and, um, and uh, th those things are just different uh, for him, whereas my daughter... Um, I've never helped her with a homework assignment. Mm -hmm. I've never, uh, so it's just making sure that she doesn't fixate on the idea of success. Uh, right. Success is not everything. Success looks different for everybody. For everybody. And, yeah. uh, and, and we explain that and, and making sure that she understands that as long as she feels successful and that she gave her best, that's all we're at. We love her and we're proud of her, period. So now how many kids are in the school system right now? 30, 35,482 students. So imagine having to deal, if a teacher every day, having to do that with 20 odd students, knowing that each one of them learn different and have different personalities. I never really thought of it from that perspective. Here I'm dealing with two kids. I can't imagine dealing yeah. with 20 something it, every day. It's a monumental task. <laughs> and in our, our theory of action in, uh, in the, the Clarksville Montgomery County School System is to first of all ensure that we have and, and go through a process of getting the right school leaders, principals uh, in place so that we can have the right individuals that are supporting teachers that have this monumental task. The idea of what we call differ differentiated instruction, you may have a student like me in third grade that uh, has major struggles and then you may have a student like my daughter in that same classroom mm -hmm. and then you have everybody in between. Yeah. Um, so that teacher is responsible for ensuring that everybody in that classroom is, is taught, is pushed and feels good about who yeah. they are along the way. Um, so we have a lot of supports in doing that. We have our own prof professional development center uh, that is reminiscent of what you would see in going to an educational conference. Uh, we have curriculum um, coordinators and instructors to be able to go out to the schools and support teachers where, uh, where they might need to grow and, uh, and build capacity. So it's a, it's a tough job, but uh, I've been proud of the work uh, that we've done and, uh, and I'm proud of the, you know, the, the strategy that we're continuing to look at in terms of broadening our, our portfolio of offerings uh, to ensure that, you know, people can look at our school system and say, hey, you know, here's an academy that's business and finance. Here's an academy of, of this, seven different academies, a brand new um, a collaboration high school with, with TCAT, uh, a, a language immersion program. We want to make sure that people know and understand that they don't have to step outside of our yeah. school system. We've got what you need. Yeah. 
So, so let me let me double back. How long how long have you been in Clarksville? I've been in Clarksville since July of 2017. So, a year and a half, almost two. A little over so. a year and a half. Yep. So, uh, why Clarksville? What do you what do you think of? What was your first impression when you heard Clarksville, Tennessee? Yep. So when I when I saw the the opportunity and got the call about the opportunity, the, the first thing that we did before we even officially applied, um, we decided to drive from Charlotte, North Carolina to to Clarksville. Mm -hmm. um, I knew a few people in Nashville, made some calls. Tell me about Clarksville. Uh, what I read, I wanted to see. Um, and being from Tulsa, Oklahoma, I grew up in a community where in the early, late 70s, early 80s, we were the it town in it's terms beautiful. of the oil boom. Mm -hmm. And there were jobs, there were companies coming in, the school system had grown from 35,000 to 80,000, I mean, it, in, in short order. And what I, what I saw in Clarksville was that same kind of momentum. Um, so it was familiar to me. Uh, it was a community very similar to what I, what I grew up in, a very diverse community, um, a, a blue collar community uh, with yeah. a lot of oil jobs. We had a lot of blue collar mm -hmm. opportunities uh, that grew into a lot of white collar opportunities in the late 90s as well. Uh, so that familiarity uh, did a lot for my family. And, and what's, what's important first for us is that we are happy as a family. And we feel like the community aspect of what this town is all about is, uh, is incredible. Um, we, we, love, uh, we love our neighbors, uh, we, we love our schools, uh, I love my colleagues, um, the many community members that we've met uh, and have, have gotten to know, um, it, it feels like home. It feels like home and it is home. Yeah, that's awesome. I, you know, so when you first arrived here, I, I noticed that you kind of got plugged in. You, you made sure you were at different events or meetings and, you know, whether it be a chamber meeting or whatever, you're there and you're getting to know the people. And uh, it's, it's kind of fun to watch when somebody comes into town like that. And yeah, you and Katie did the same thing. Well, so. I, I, I feel like that when I first met you, my first impression of you was that you were extremely charismatic and approachable. And I think in your position, the approachable piece is just so important. Yeah, and uh, that was like my very first impression of you. And um, because you were in such a leadership position in this community, and um, I feel like that you will always listen. Like being approachable, you'll listen to people, you want to hear what people have to say, you'll digest it and then form, formulate your own. That was kind of my first yeah. impression of you. We, we, we all know what, what they say, too much is given. Uh, we, we, we have to, as, as being granted the humble opportunity to, to be in, in senior level leadership positions, we have to understand that there are a lot of people watching, first mm -hmm. of all, and you, don't, you will never get a chance to show what you really know as a leader unless you get people to follow you and unless you get people to trust you. That's true. And, um, and so on top of it, I enjoy it as well. You know, getting out there. Um, we had a chance during our entry year to get out to 23 churches and um, just introduce ourselves, let people know who we are, uh, probably four or five different civic um, rotary clubs uh, in the area uh, as well. We've done some in Nashville because we want to tell that story, not, not only about um, uh, what's going on in the school system, but what's going on in Clarksville. So I've, right. I've, I've become an ambassador of Clarksville uh, as well at the state level um, and, and letting the state know what's going on. Uh, so we, um, uh, we're, we're appreciative of the opportunity and it's a part of our personalities. My wife 
was a um, an, a an HR administrator for her entire career. So uh, it's it's kind of a natural piece for both of us that mm -hmm. uh, that we've enjoyed uh, over the course of time getting to know this community. Yeah, we moved here in 07 and made a conscientious decision that this was going to be our home. Yep. And now we're to the point where we wouldn't take the kids out of school yep. and this is where we're going to stay because it is a great community. Absolutely. With a lot of potential, as you said. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you about something that always comes up, and we're going to get it on the record just one more time so okay. that when it comes up again, we'll have it. All right. <laughs> How do we decide to close schools when it ices? I know the answer to it, but I want to let you tell everybody because yeah. it's not like you just look out the window or look at the weather channel and go, it looks like there's snow coming, we're going to close. You have some processes in place. We do. And believe it or not, a morning like this morning where we, we had uh, surrounding school districts, some closed uh, because of because of uh, ice and weather. But there are a lot of determinants mm -hmm. that you have to look at. Number one is is the overall temperature. Um, let's say, for instance, it was a Monday and mm -hmm. buses have not been started uh, since Friday. Uh, what happens with a lot of batteries on buses yeah. is that um, if you've got temperatures you know, below, below 10, 15 degrees, sometimes it becomes difficult. And to not have the manpower uh, to send around to 300 buses to get those buses started, started makes it difficult to have school on, on a Monday. Um, but if it happens during the week, we have a different process uh, and we're not just focused on temperature. Um, we actually have, I never would have thought of the battery thing. It's, it's yeah. it, my, my last school system. I was, I was the COO and, and we had over, um, 900 buses mm -hmm. and, uh, and that, that was a big issue for us. Um, uh, so it's, it's definitely something that we think about. Um, but we have a process where, uh, when we know potential weather's coming, 48 hours ahead of that. We're looking at it uh, as a team. Uh, we're working with the National Weather Association to ensure that we know what's coming. Um, uh, we generally will, will make myself and my chief, uh, chief operating officer will make communication about four o'clock that morning. Uh, we'll, so while we're all snug in our bed, you're trying to decide the safety of our kids. Yeah, you don't. You, <laughs> the ringer stays on uh, yes. uh, when weather's coming. <laughs> yes. And you have, have conversations. We had a conversation, I think, at about 4.30 this morning uh, to and he essentially let me know that uh, we've done a, a full run throughout the entire county. Uh, we've looked for slick spots uh, in neighborhoods, main roads. We don't have any issues. My recommendation is to move forward uh, as on a regular schedule. Now it may be a situation, and here's where it gets tricky. If I would have got the call this morning that 90% of the county looks good, it's the 10%. It's the 10%. And schools, school systems, it's either cutting the switch on or turning it off. Yeah. Um, you can't have um, the way it's set up in, in, in our processes at the state level. You can't close a portion of the school district. You can't close Montgomery Central, but Correct. open Ridgeview. And the tough part about it is many of our roads are county roads. Many mm -hmm. of our roads are state roads and many of our roads are, are city roads as well and working with all three entities uh, to get advice from each one of them before four o'clock in the morning and doing our own runs has to happen for us before we can make that, uh, make that decision. Um, the wind goes into it as well. Now, we're the only school system in the state that does cold weather routes or mm -hmm. rain routes. Yeah. And, um, 
and, and I tell my daughter all the time that uh, my, my son all the time that we're very fortunate to, to, to do something like that. It takes a lot uh, to do that. Uh, but that adds something for us that other school systems don't have, because if the wind is, um, you know, uh, in a negative or bringing temperatures down to single digits, we can still move forward and feel confident and have school because we know that we're picking kids up at a location that will very, only have a very short period of time where that wind is on the skin. Yeah. Right. Um, so so that adds a, a plus for us uh, in, in many cases. But the conversation starts at four, four in the morning, four thirty in the morning, and um, we try to make sure that we give a decision um, before the six o'clock or five o'clock news comes on. Uh, that way, parents right. know uh, immediately. Uh, in best scenarios, uh, we we're like getting to let that call from two. Zero, zero, one. You got it. You got it. <laughs> zero, zero, one. I appreciate the fact <clears throat> that you put the safety of our children ahead of everything else. Absolutely. And we need to remember as parents that when we're looking out that window, that road we see is just a small piece of what you guys are having to figure mm -hmm. out. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Uh, and the safety is, is, is number, number one or whatnot. Uh, and, and our operations department, um, you know, thinks through that. Uh, every morning uh, and, and in every situation that uh, that we look at. We need to remember you've got kids in those schools. You've got kids personally in the schools too. So Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you about something else. It might be a little heavy. Okay. Um, so, and I don't want to get into politics because that's not who I am. Yep. This government shutdown, it's my understanding, and I don't know as much about it, that's why I'm asking you, that if this continues like through March, mm -hmm that you won't have the funding you need to feed the kids that are eating at school. Is that re real, so real you, issue? You, it's, it, it hasn't been a, a big, a, a huge issue for us. Um, we, we order in bulk. Oh, good. So, uh, so we have some industrial freezers at our at our central office that mm -hmm. can can get us over for you know for a, a good period of time. Uh, so even if the shutdown shutdown went uh, for a uh, an extended period of time, that is not as big of a concern for us. Okay. Now, I just what, can't stand the thought of kids not getting to. And what we have to understand also is that um, I think the dollars that you're talking about are federal dollars, and there are some families that receive uh, free lunch and, mm -hmm. and some that receive reduced lunch. That's a portion of, of our community in, in Clarksville, not, not the entire community. So um, whatever happens, we're going to feed our babies right. and, uh, and we're right. going to have what's necessary. Well, Gretchen will be glad to hear that because she was asking me about that this morning. She's and I, really I couldn't imagine it, there would be a problem if, if, uh, if my kids didn't get Taco Tuesday. Mm -hmm. it, would, uh, it would be a huge is problem. That, is it really Taco Tuesday? <clears throat> it is. I'm it surprised is. my kids don't want to eat Taco Tuesday. It's pizza on Wednesday. That's when they yeah, want to eat it. That's school. my son's favorite. My daughter yeah. likes Taco Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And um, there would be a problem. I would probably need to be uh, on deck cooking tacos yeah. if, well, uh, good to if know. we ran into that situation. That's good to know. And it's smart to order in bulk like that. Talk to me about this marching band thing here. So um, in when I was in high school, um, I was actually a, a drummer um, and uh -huh. actually it started in elementary, went all the way through middle school and um, excelled uh, in, in athletics, as I mentioned earlier, but I had a pretty bad motorcycle accident between my I was eighth, gonna ask you about that eighth and ninth grade year. Uh -huh. And that motorcycle accident um, sent me to school in a wheelchair my, my first day of school as a freshman in high school. Can you imagine that? When you're just yeah. now yeah. getting the dyslexia thing figured out, yeah. now you're in a wheelchair, yeah. wow. So crutches wheelchair um, uh, is, is where I was, so decided 
that being that I had been in junior orchestra, um, symphony, um, different uh, different percussion uh, drums that I played, I decided that a portion of my physical therapy could be me uh, getting a marching band. Yeah. So as a freshman, uh, in our our tradition in our in my old high school was that you know freshmen's you know they play cymbals or whatnot, but I was good enough mm -hmm. that I actually got a, got a drum and, um, and was able to play a drum. So uh, I was able to, to work out with the band and the marching band actually was a huge PT piece for me to get myself uh, in place to where I could uh, eventually wow. play basketball. And I played every game uh, of the season, healed up uh, after a very nasty right, right knee injury. And um, it was just a, another opportunity for me to build resistance, build re, uh, resilience, and um, and have something to overcome. Um, so, so marching band is is in my past, and mm -hmm. uh, enjoyed it. Even w marched in the Peach Bowl parade. Wow. Uh, oh wow! In uh, in nineteen, uh, I think eighty seven, eighty six, uh, or whatnot. And uh, and I think that next year they went on to the Rose Bowl parade. We had a great great band that uh, was award-winning and did some pretty cool things. But I only did it for one year before my marching band, um, head of our marching band and our, my, our head, yeah. head coach said, you need to choose one because yeah. I was running from practice, you yeah. know, to, mm -hmm. to try to do both. Uh, so I chose the, the athletics, which, uh, which I think was a, a good choice. Good choice. So, yeah. so I have a question about basketball. For yep. You. And I'd like to learn more about your career in basketball, but it seems to me that I was at an Austin P basketball game one day, <laughs> oh, and, no. and they had a they had a competition. I don't know if it was at halftime or on a break or something, and you were on one goal shooting free throws, and County Mayor Jim Durrett was on the other end, and you had you know thirty seconds or whatever. Absolutely, and, I, I know uh, what you're talking about. And and I don't really recall. But who won that? Kind of, what kind of what happened there? Well, it, it was a landslide, and and Jim Durrett beat me. But but you have to understand. Jim Durrett beat you in Jim, basketball. Jim Durrett beat me. I didn't and, know he had that inning. Sorry, and Jim. And <laughs> what we have to understand, the the county is our funding agent. Oh, oh and, uh, I see. That makes sense. From uh, I'm not a politician either, Katie. But from a, from a politics standpoint. Uh, it's important to Did ensure you? that your mayor feels good. So are you admitting that you threw that? I didn't, but it sounds good. Yeah, uh, okay. And it is, we are approaching budget season, so any of the kind of words that we can get out there. Absolutely. It was funny that, that evening because um, uh, I, didn't, I didn't pick up, I hadn't picked up a ball in, in years and I uh, didn't think I was going to have an issue uh, at all. And when I got my behind kicked, um, uh, my son looked at me and he said, are you serious? You just lost. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he called you. So we had a good time. But but later on, we had a chili competition, and which you? the mayor has uh, has a mean chili. He can cook. Uh, but I had a secret weapon um, and, uh, and my wife. Uh, and there was nothing in the stipulation that said that um, you couldn't get some assistance yeah. uh, from your wife. So we, we ended up winning the chili competition. Well, technically, when you get married, you become one. That's so, it. I mean, Absolutely. There's, there's your loophole there right it is. There. there it is. So you have a big job. What do you do to relax? You know, um, family is is so important to me. Um, so I, I spend a lot of time. Mm -hmm. uh, my downtime is spent with my family. My my in-laws live with us uh, as well for a big portion of the year. Um, and uh, so so having everybody close is is helpful. I, my both of my parents are deceased uh, and I have one sister. I'm back in Oklahoma, so every every top opportunity we get, whether it's Thanksgiving, 
uh, Christmas, we try to bring people to Clarksville. Okay. Uh, we try to make sure that they see something new. I have uh, a little cousin that we brought here with us as well. And uh, we wanted her to have the college experience, so we sent her down to Tennessee State. She's on campus in the dormitories. But we get her on the weekends as well. Uh, so they're generally about seven people, you know, in my household. And we spend a lot of time together, you know, whether that's just getting to know Clarksville, whether it's us sitting and and um, uh, and playing Candyland. You know? I was good. that was the question I was going to ask you. What's your favorite board game then? Yeah. It's, so my my son drives what what our board games are in, mm -hmm. in our household and. His thing right now is Candyland. So on, on Christmas, I, we went through the Candyland phase. Yeah, we're yeah. at Monopoly Banker now. Okay, we're not there yet. Yeah, it's but... got the like debit card thing going okay. on. <laughs> does it really? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Okay, it's a little different. You than can't what we mess grew up, up because yeah. it does it for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, we appreciate you coming in today to talk with us. I think your story is really inspiring, and I actually love that someone with your heart is the one looking out for our kids every day. Well, it's so. it's a humbling opportunity and. Love it and appreciate it. Yeah. So yep. thank you for coming in. Absolutely. Thank so, you guys for having me. Hopefully you'll, hopefully you'll come back and talk to us again. Anytime. Be glad to. Clarksville's Conversation. Subscribe now on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single conversation.